an Englishman in San Diego. At MCM London Comic Con 2018. Welcome along, MCM London. How are we doing? Woo! Woo! I actually got a woo! That's the first time today. Fantastic. Welcome along. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Uh, this our uh, uh, C. Now this is where I always get the uh, initials mixed up. I can say the words. It's the comic book uh, legal defence fund. Uh, they have uh, asked us pre to present this uh, interesting panel on the uh, the state of comics uh, in the U.S. It's the U.S. Comics Industry Roundtable. Um, we have ourselves two uh, great guests who are going to be joining us on stage. We have Lauren and we have Tara. If you could like to join us, please. Uh, we'll get a full introduction uh, from the ladies. But if you'd like to uh, make your way to the... Uh, pick us, pick, a, pick a, uh, a chair of uh, whichever one you want to go to. Excellent stuff. Right, um, this is going to be a slightly loose conversation. Um, it's a, a very much a round table. Um, so we're going to be diving into a, a whole number of topics um, and obviously we're going to be uh, driven by the, uh, the questions from our audience as well so do start thinking about anything that you want us to talk about about US comics and uh, the industry uh, in the it's a state of flux is something that uh, I described when we were talking off stage um, I think first things first so uh, people have an idea of uh, who we are and who we're talking uh, so my name is Lance Sultana, I run a website called uh, The Convention Collective which is all about uh, conventions, uh, the comics industry and uh, pop culture. Um, it's a little inside baseball uh, just talking about comic conventions, but because it is very much a definite sense of passion and fandom, I think that kind of relates to uh, the topics that we're going to be talking about this afternoon. Um, we'll go from left to right, uh, closest to me. If you would like to introduce yourself and uh, tell us about you and uh, your place in the industry, yeah, go for it. Hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm Tara Ferguson. Um, I run the freelance company Comics Marketing, so I work with creators on the marketing end of the titles that they then release. So I've done work with Image, I've done work with Vault, which is why I'm here um, this weekend, mostly with the White Noise creators, which is Ram V, Dan Waters, Ryan O'Sullivan, Alex Pacquiao. Um, so I am there in his marketing, so it's a step beyond what the publisher is themselves. Um, and I'm based out in Dublin, so that's, that's me, that's what I do. Um, Excellent. Lauren? Um, oh. <laughs> it's all done from the desk. Here we go. Uh, so my name is Lauren Classic, I'm the Director of Sales and Marketing with Zenscope Entertainment. Uh, we have the largest female-driven universe in all of comics. Uh, we've been around for about 13 years now. Um, we're based in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Glamorous or not glamorous? Glamorous. Not glamorous. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, um, so I think we'll start with um, a pretty um, contemporary question, a question very much of 2018, because uh, we're at a place at the moment in uh, comics fandom. Uh, and also just in the way that um, uh, the readership uh, approach US comics. Um, we're, like I, the word I used was flux earlier, but also there's this real um, sense of uh, competitiveness uh, at the moment uh, between uh, titles, between uh, creators, between uh, the audience as well. But I think um, all of us as fans, we want to see the industry moving forward. But I think um, some uh, 
areas or some people that may not wish to be, uh, we don't want to uh, uh, give them too much light. They do have very legitimate concerns, especially when it comes to uh, the sales and the, the way that um, books are being sold at the moment. And I think the reason why it still remains a, a strong and hot topic is because no one can really determine why those sales continue to decline at this point. Where do you see any kind of, I don't want to point any <laughs> fingers, but where is that um, uh, happening? Yeah, some of the concerns that they have, those people that we shall not name, um, is the decline in sales. But what they, what I've noticed they ignore most of all is that if you look at the previous catalogue every month, there are more and more titles being released. There's more and more titles per publisher now. And comic stores only have a certain budget. And that budget doesn't rise just because publishers decide to release more and more titles. They just then have to negotiate where those sales go. So, yes, years and years and years ago, Captain America or whatever may have sold X amount, but there could have been 10 titles that it was competing against, now there's 50. So it's not that those titles are going down, it's that the budget is being spread out. There's more content. You can't expect the budgets to rise and the expenditures to rise just because you're putting in more content that has to be out of a bed made there to rise from. And I think that's a point that's very much ignored, and that is why there's a, there's a lot of yeah pointing of fingers and blame yeah. that's um, put out there. Yeah. Um, you know, being an indie publisher, Zenisco, we've been around for 13 years, and every year we grow and grow. Um, and I wouldn't say that's you know due to you know retail, and that is due to retailers having noticed and saying, look, we want to have those indie titles, we want to push the smaller publishers as well as still keep our core titles, our DC and our Marvel. You know, and I think we are seeing that a lot in the U.S. is that we are getting more placement and retailers are talking more about us and our collector market and our fan base is growing year over year and that's not just because of us, it's because of the retailers representing us in their stores and we are starting to see that now in the international market as well. So I think that you know, it definitely stems from the retailers pushing us, uh, talking about us and having us on their shelves to help with that growth. Um, obviously, as well, there's the big risk or the, the conversation about um, stores and um, the, the decline or the, the closing of stores. It's, uh, it's not only just here in, uh, in the UK, but across the US as well. Um, that's a big worry for a lot of people. But where can we stem that? I mean, a lot of books are being, there's a lot of avenues for people to get books and to get content now. Tara? <laughs> you know, I think nowadays we have a lot of resources of where we can get our books, but it's a, I think a lot of the time our retailers are what suggest to us what we should be reading next. Um, and also the way that it's being merchandised in, in the stores. You know, are we, you know, I, I was actually at the retailer summit yesterday and we talked a little bit about merchandising. How are we merchandising the books? Um, and what are we talking about when people walk in? Are we giving them you know, new options? Are we talking about the indie publishers or different titles that are coming out? Um, what are the retailers reading? So I think at the end of the day, um, retailers are the ones that are really pushing the titles that are going to sell. What was the big conversations that were being held? At, uh, the, this will be the uh, Diamond Retailers meeting that uh, took place yesterday as part of uh, MCM. What were the big uh, topics of conversation uh, at that meeting? 
So it really ranged. Uh, we had the different publishers there that were talking about upcoming titles, but I think the biggest thing, uh, the biggest conversation topic was actually marketing. You know, how can the publishers work with the retailers to really market our books better for them and partner with the retailers? And that's actually something that Zenoscope has done. Um, this, this is our first time doing a UK tour week. So we came out here for a full week and we went out to the retailers. Uh, we visited uh, a few retailers around London, talked to them about how they can merchandise our books better, you know, what can they do via social media and through their websites to really help with pushing not only indie publishers, but all of their titles and drawing crowds into their stores. And I would say that was probably the hot topic of the conversation, which is how do we market our books better, you know, and how do they market their stores better. Um, obviously, there's the uh, element as well with the, uh, the creative talent of, of trying to uh, uh, continue uh, doing their work as best they can in a market which is uh, uh, changing. And obviously, with the US market as well, um, we, uh, there's a number of, uh, sorry, I actually saw Chris out the corner of my eye there. Um, there's uh, talent um, here in the UK that is trying to break into the US market. Um, Tara, with the relationships you have with the, the, the talent, what the conversations have been going? Um, in, certainly in, in relation to the US uh, comics market and breaking into that. In terms of creators that are based here, their main audience when they go to the States is at the conventions, so in San Diego, it's New York, it's ECC, um, and it's what they can gather from those experiences. So the likes of New York, there's the Retailer Day on the first morning, um, I encourage the creators I work with to go to Comics Pro, which is in February, um, which is generally just retailers, publishers, there's not really a customer based focus, but it's building those relationships and once they have those down, it's just it's organising, getting over and doing signings and making sure that everyone knows that they're available to go. Everyone seems to see the sea at Parthos as being like a wall, like they can't go to and from. But it's making sure that they are available to go and they're willing to go. Because as I always say to them, you know, you going to these things and up to the orders one, but it shows that you are willing to push the book yourself. And that's such a big step for them that, you know, is so important. Okay. Zenoscope um, is obviously one of the, uh, the premier uh, independent uh, publishers in the States. How is it um, finding in your marketplace uh, kind of breaking the ground that uh, it needs to be broken in the States at the moment. What's uh, been Zenoscope's uh, place in the market? So like I said, year over year uh, we've grown and anyone that doesn't know us, the company started in 2005 with the two co-owners, uh, Joe Russia and Ralph Tedesco, and since then we've grown to a 25-30 person company. Um, and we're doing international shows now and building our UK market, which is actually our second biggest market currently. And uh, you know, our approach has really just been getting in front of the customer, talking about our content, talking about our books. Uh, we do over 30 conventions a year, uh, so we, and that's including some international shows in Canada and here in, in uh, the UK. And, you know, we've taken a lot of that control into our own hands to you know, really be able to get in front of our retailers, get in front of our customers and our fans, uh, and really be able to grow that market on our own, so. What's been the conversations uh, in regard to um, how uh, the big two still are, uh, they are still the big players uh, on the market, but uh, obviously their sales are declining quite rapidly, and uh, we've been talking about the, the various 
the independents uh, taking on the taking on the roles of what the imprints that they've run, such as uh, uh, DC with Vertigo and um, with uh, Marvel's small imprints as well. The independents independents have taken that creator-owned talent and uh, moved forward um, with what they've done. Uh, what's been the conversations in how you work with? in that landscape where DC and Marvel still dominate, but they are losing uh, their readership uh, to other uh, companies. Well, I think retailers are starting to take more of a chance on indie comic book publishers because they're looking for something to really fill that sales gap or fill that creative gap. Uh, I think even with customers, they're willing to try something new because they're tired of kind of seeing the same things over and over. So, I mean, it's, it's, we've definitely seen that increase in sales when they're seeing a decrease because people are more willing to, you know, take a chance on our content. Even at the conventions, year over year, you know, we do see more customers that come up to our booth and they say to us, they're looking to find those indie comic book publishers and they're looking to find something new um, for their kids as well as for themselves, so. Okay. Um, Tara, the, the themes that are being covered in comics are a big topic of conversation as well. Um, in terms of diversity, in terms of um, uh, sexual orientation, in terms of uh, pretty much uh, any kind of uh, political divide, and that is a big topic of conversation at the moment. But I find it interesting that those topics of conversation have always been there, but we now just kind of like, social media's ramped that up and put a real spotlight on, on that. Yes, um, you've got to look at who's putting the main spotlight on it and the twist that they put on it. I find that at the moment, in terms of social media and Twitter, it's been thrown in quite a negative light um, by certain people. I think it's always been there and I think it would have continued to be there and continued to be as strong as it is had it not been brought up by certain people. Okay. Not just the big two, but also uh, the smaller independents as well. Do you feel that they are being driven by that conversation? Or are they almost actively ignoring it to kind of further their own stories and continue telling the tales that they want to tell? Like you say, those um, issues and those topics of conversation have always been there, but um, do you feel that there's now a more a tipping of a shoulder, perhaps? I think it's now viewed as more of a political move now, which it shouldn't at all, because it's not. It's just human nature and it's, it's the world that we live in now and that is what comics is always meant to represent but because of the tone of the industry online and how it's perceived and how it's talked about adding topics like that has now become like a political swing which I think is a negative step for the industry and hopefully it will die out in that way not, not the topics but how it's been spoken about um, I, I don't like that that's how we are now Sure. certain people have driven us in that direction and I think not ignoring it is the best way to go because it needs to be addressed but I don't like seeing how it affects what's being brought out and it's, it affects how it's everything's been marketed and talked about um, which it should all be talked about but it, it's, it's the time it's used. I think it's also um, uh, interesting to uh, put that uh, conversation in terms of, like, say, the, the, the big two, and also the fact that we, we could also include, I think that term, the big two, can be scrapped now, because we are looking at DC Marvel, Dark Horse, Image, and all of these uh, publishers which are now um, 
uh, not just di um, dictating how stories are being told, but also leading the charge. And I also find that it's going the other way as well, that the Indies are um, uh, leading that uh, path as well, and they're uh, influencing how stories are being told. I also find it interesting that uh, in 2018, while the superhero comic, uh, the, the Capes and uh, Capes and Types comic, is not is not ever going to die away. It's a form of storytelling which has been going for decades and will continue to uh, grow or will continue to roll on. The creator-owned um, personal stories are what I feel are driving the art form forward in 2018. Is that a valid point? Yes, I think the term comic reader now is very different to what it was from 20 years ago. Comic reader back then was they followed Marvel, they followed DC, because that's really all that was being massively pushed. As comics reader now, you can have a reader who goes in and just looks at the image titles. Like that just goes for whatever one is coming out through image, or they follow Saga, they follow Big Dave, or they follow whatever. And they may never pick up Spider-Man, they may never pick up Batman. And that's fine, but that's their... That's what they want. Yeah. Whereas then there's the readers that come in and they only buy Spider-Man, they only buy Batman, because that's what they grew up on. And, but that's comics to them. And they, they're aware that everything else is there, but that's what they're there for. You know, like everyone who turns on the TV doesn't watch the exact same type sure. of show. Absolutely. You know, so comic reader as a term now is so broad because it's not talking about one branch of the industry anymore at all. I think that's a, a, a healthy way for the industry to go forward, and, uh, it, for the art form to go forward it's as well. It's how it's, it's growing and it's it needs to grow. Sure. Uh, but we certainly can talk about that in terms of uh, Zenoscope as well, yeah. uh, because of the books that you put out. How do you, uh, as a publisher, try and make that uh, balance between um, the, the various styles of the uh, book? Well, we're even seeing, too, that uh, not just comic book shops are taking in comics anymore. It's becoming more mainstream. So you're seeing even grocery stores or uh, bigger large chain retailers, um, and then your comic book shops that all have comics. So I think it is becoming a little bit more mainstream, um, especially even for us, you know, more retailers are willing to take in our books. Um, and we're even seeing that at conventions too, where more fans, more fans are coming up to our booth and they know who we are and they're excited because their retailers are talking about us. And I think on a creative aspect, that kind of opens up the doors for us too. Um, with the amount of titles that we can do or the creators that we can work with to really build up our brand uh, and our universe. We talked about the audience that are reading um, American comics even here in the UK as well. Um, I find it interesting that uh, the audience, uh, which I, when I go to my comic book store, it's people of my age and a little younger. And I find that maybe the all ages uh, element is being if not lost, it's certainly getting a little bit more marginalised. Uh, is that something that you would agree with? Where, where do you see the, the, the audience of comics in 2018? That's a big question, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I definitely think that all ages is something that people are talking about. They want to be able to come into a comic book shop and shop for comics for themselves, but also be able to bring their kids with them have them be able to pick out something too. And I think that's the age that it really it starts, is that you know that kid walks into the comic shop and picks up their first, you know, Spider-Man. You know, and I think that uh, now retailers, both consumers, are looking for something different too to pick up now too. Uh, so I think it's important to have both types of titles, 
uh, because that's what both our fans and our new readers are, are looking for. Um, I, I think the reason why I bring up um, the age range and the, 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 the age disparity um, for readership uh, in comics in the moment is because of the price, certainly of American books uh, when you find them in their stores. $3.99 an issue, $4.99 an issue. That, that's a lot of money for a young reader and a new reader to um, throw down uh, for a selection of books. I mean, you get three or four and that's your 20 quid. That's a, a big logic, a lot of cash. That, can that be something that can be is that detrimental to the, the comic industry at the moment? Are we pricing comics out of the hands of a new readership? <laughs> well, just from being a publisher, you know, that's something that we do here. Um, and I think that publishers are aware of it, and I think we will start seeing more of a dollar issue introducing characters, you know. I know newsprint is um, getting a nice little revival in 2018. Yeah, so I think we really will start to see, you know, dollar issues or two dollar issues to get readers hooked, and then once they're excited about a series, they'll pick up the four or six dollar issue. So I think, you know, we will start to see that change over the next couple of years because that's what people are looking for. Okay. Um, what I want to do is uh, certainly get you guys involved in the conversation as well. Um, I, I certainly want to try and find out who's actually in the room. Uh, in terms of who's reading stuff. Uh, obviously, uh, if uh, you're here in the room, so I'm guessing, uh, readers of American comics, uh, hands in the air, please. Okay. Um, let's uh, break it down a little bit. Um, readers of the big two, um, say DC and Marvel, uh, go to that. Readers of the independents, anything other than DC and Marvel. Readers of everything. And see, that's encouraging, I'm okay with that. Um, I think what we are going to do is we are going to uh, put questions uh, if you want to ask anything um, and we'll, I'll try and come forward and uh, try and catch you uh, if you want to uh, just basically put a comment forward. Like I say, this is going to be more of a, a round table, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a comment, just more of a, 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 a just a, a, doesn't have to be a question, sorry, more of a, a comment that you want to make about uh, how you feel the, the comics industry, certainly the American publishers. Does anyone have anything that anyone wants to say? <laughs> I knew that we were going to get one or two people that want to see something. So it's, it's good that we've got uh, some, uh, uh, some uh, people who want to uh, weigh in. So your name, nice and close to the microphone, and uh, what your feelings are about American comics today. Oscar, and this is a question. It's like, what do you say the impact of social media and non-digital advertising has on the US market for comics? Do you want to take, who's going to take that one? The impact of social media, I think, is the, from the start. I think for any market, whether it's comic books or really anything in general, it has both positive and negative impacts. Um, the positive impacts is you get to see what titles are out there. If your comic book shop isn't carrying, you know, an indie publisher isn't carrying something that they don't have in their shop, you can look at that online and find out reviews and see what people are saying about it. Um, but I think that also can be a negative too. So I think it really just depends on you know, the situation and what you're really trying to get out of it. So, In terms of the creative um, process and the creators of the comics, the artists and the writers, how free do you feel that they should be on social media to say what they want? Um, and not necessarily just be a shill for their own work. Should there be separate accounts for, uh, for what they do, Tara? 
personally, I don't think there should be separate accounts. I think the brand represents itself. So, you know, Marvel, DC, Image, however, they have their own social media accounts. They represent their own brand. I am one that disagrees with, obviously, that's touching on like, the Trump-Wendig stuff. Um, I disagree with how that was handled. Um, no, I, I, I fully think that it's, it's their personal account and it shouldn't really, if they're freelancing, um, it shouldn't really come into effect. Okay, fair enough. We have questions. Well, I'll do these at the back and then I'll come back to the, uh, to the front. We'll go. Oh, I'll run around. Bit of exercise. I have no problem with that. I need it. Okay, uh, your name and your question, sir. Uh, my name's Nick. Um, I've noticed that uh, from when I started reading comics, which was around about 10 years ago, when I was 16, um, that there has been more increase in indie comics. There will be a bigger increase. Or just, uh, I think the, that, that balance, the, the, not so much, um, we, we, like we started with the word flux, um, that there isn't a status quo at the moment, everything is just in a, an ebb and tide. Where do you see um, the indie, indie and um, creator and stuff, do you see it um, growing to a point where it can overtake the, the big team? I don't think as an industry, it'll always balance. Um, I think the big two will always react. So I don't think the indie comics are going to rise and the big two will just stay the same and just observe. There will, there will always be a reaction for a reaction. There will be a reaction. But uh, it is growing. So we had you know, Vertigo and stuff and then Image. But even in the last few years we've had the likes of Vault, who I have made. And you know, the likes of Vault wouldn't be here had Image not paved the way. And I think that they are a good place in the market where, in terms of the comic shelf, the likes of Vault, the middle ground between Image and the big two, they're necessary and they need to fill that gap where it's not just creator owned, it is a publisher that takes the rights to everything, but there's a place in the shelf for all of these comics, so long as they're being created, so I feel like there is room for an all to grow, definitely, but it will always react, the big two won't just sit back and watch it, they will grow with it. Is there a finite space on the, the, the shelf uh, for, uh, for books? Because we, we can talk about digital as well and uh, oh, how yeah. that space can work. Yeah, well, like I said before, retailers have a finite budget, so that all depends on the quality of the content that's being put out. And indeed the people spending money over yes. the yeah. uh, I mean, we can talk as well very quickly about um, pre-orders and how that can really help a book and help um, determine where the, uh, the comics industry, certainly in the US, uh, to go, because it gives that, uh, that roadmap for, uh, for, for companies. Um, how do you see, what can we do to kind of encourage people to pre-order? And uh, I mean, I know that uh, Kieran did uh, quite a bit of push, uh, Kieran Gillen, the writer of uh, the uh, Wicked and other uh, great books. He did try uh, to get some kind of momentum on that, but didn't seem to, to latch on. What's uh, your thoughts on uh, kind of getting more people to kind of uh, drive the audience to drive the audience? You know, the publishers can only talk about their site titles so much. The retailers can only talk about books that they're reading or books that they enjoy. But at the end of the day, it's really up to that consumer on what they decide they want to try and read. And actually, I think kind of going back to social media, uh, I think that's where, you know, if you're interested in something, you know, follow the publisher on social media or, you know, follow the creator, you know, follow them at the conventions. And if you're excited about it, talk to your retailer about it so that they can buy and take, get the orders in for it. So 
you know, I think at the end of the day, it really does come back to the customer uh, getting excited, and I think that's where social media can actually be beneficial to not only retailers and the publishers, but also customers to find the books that they, you know, want to see on the shelves. I think that's something that's neat. It's, I don't know if it's missing, but there's certainly been a diminishment of excitement about something. It's all been very kind of, not aggressive, yeah, aggressive, very combative. It needs maybe something to kind of put a bit of vibrancy back into uh, to Protestant. I know we had a question here at the bank, so your name and your question, please. Uh, my name is Roy, and my question, I wonder if, how do I feel this? Um, I feel like one reason comics might be having a wee bit of a problem is that they're kind of, let's say, forcing an opinion. What I mean by this is, if you take the end of something like Watchmen, it leaves it like, you think that did the heroes do the right thing or the wrong thing, and there's really no wrong answer to that. But in modern comics, it kind of says, oh, there is a right answer, and it kind of says, like, you should follow it instead of more like, is this right or is this wrong? And sorry, I can't phrase this that. No, no, it makes sense. Um, there's that sense of um, turning comics into a, um, um, di not, di I'm trying to work out the word. It's just kind of, it's enforcing a certain and um, a point of view. Yeah, whereas, um, absolutely, whereas um, certainly books in the past, we have had uh, uh, the reader makes up their own mind. But I think there's always been uh, books out there that uh, have had a very definite sense of their own moral and... Completely, and that's just at the discretion of the writer. That's just storytelling. It, it could go either way. That's not something that's, I'd say, that's comic either. I don't necessarily think it's actually a good thing or a bad thing, actually. It, it's, it's just how it is. Yeah, it's a voice yeah. of a writer. But it's, but it's, it's a voice in, of it's a in books, it's in movies, it's in TV shows. Yeah, but that's, that's not having... A non-definitive ending on something isn't isolated to comics as a result, but it's, if it suits the book, that's how it should go. It's not... I think it's just about the creative process. Everybody kind of interprets you know, their own story their own way, and that's up to somebody what you know, their opinion is, and, and they're given that. But I think at the end of the day, it's actually... Um, exciting to see what other people's point of view is or how they perceive a story going and I don't think that's the most important part to know. It's the, it's the classic adage that uh, if uh, a certain um, voice or a certain um, point of view is being put forward into a book and you don't enjoy it, you don't buy it. You read something else, there is always something out there uh, to be read. Um, we had a couple of questions uh, down here, excellent stuff. Um, we'll start, ladies first. Do you mind? <laughs> your name and your question, please. Thanks, Lena Christmas, editor, story books. Just want to know, um, how is it in the United States, right? Um, using library as a potential channel, like over here in the UK, uh, some comic books, even independent, can get uh, what you call as syndicated by the public libraries, and then the licenses will be reimbursed by British Library or the taxpayers. Do you get the same support in the United States with regards to your libraries? I think that's more for Lauren. I think that's more for yourself. Uh, and yeah, the, the way that um, comics can be put into um, ancillary markets and the way that those can then support the industry. Libraries is the one that was uh, mentioned. I mean, is there a, um, a way that uh, 
that can be made more official and uh, allow the, the, the industry to grow. I think in the US, uh, like I said, we are seeing comics become a little bit more mainstream, so we are seeing them come into other retail outlets, not just comic book shops. Um, but I think at a, a lot of the time, it's about carrying like comic book shops. Actually, I've talked to a few comic book shops that are either selling online, or they fill their shelves with things that customers are asking for. And at the end of the day, libraries at the end, will carry comics or might carry, might not. But at the end of the day, it's really about where the customer is going to shop and where the books that they want to buy are going to be uh, attainable at. Okay. Right, I know we have this uh, gentleman here that uh, has uh, something he wants to uh, add to the conversation. Go for it. Your name and your comment on questions. Okay, my name is Ricardo, and my comment is should creators be allowed to have full sort of freedom regarding how they manage a character or should they be constrained in what they choose to do let's say when tackling someone as iconic as superman should they be able to change everything about the character just to tell their story or should they be limited to sort of maintaining let's say the character's more sort of well-established personality or history you have someone specific in mind, sir, so you can say his name. Okay, so I disagree with everything Ryan Michael Bendis has done with Superman recently because it makes no sense regarding the consistency of a character and all, all the changes he's done, specifically in contrast with the previous volume of uh, this character had. So I'm just asking you whether... I, I, think, I, I think I get it. Um... Because uh, we kind of had this conversation, we touched on it before we, uh, we came on stage. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, Brian Michael Bendis has been given a very unique deal. Uh, at, um, well, yeah, a very strong deal at, uh, at, at uh, DC. In that he has been given that uh, creator-owned um, freedom to, uh, to bring Scarlet and other titles as part of his Jinx World uh, thing. But as part of that deal, He's also been given absolute autonomy over the Superman character. Is that a detriment to that iconic legacy character? To have one person have that much power? Well, I've never worked for DC, so we can't really comment <laughs> too hard on that. Um, Bendis has a unique position, but overall, every creator has an editor, and every editor works in the company. So. People tend to blame creators for the direction they're taking, but the company sign off on everything. They allow it to be published. Nothing goes to print without DC or Marvel or whoever looking at it first. So it's not really the creator on the bottom line there. It goes to everybody. It is a, it's a business brand. Um, and every creator has an editor. Then this is a bit of a wild card in that one. So <laughs> we can't really comment on that one. I, I, I can't comment on that. <laughs> From creating our own content, uh, we have the Grim Universe. So we have characters that, that have been around since 2005, since we've started. And we do outsource to different writers uh, to actually create our content. Um, there are some characters that are the creators of the company who will say, you know, hey, look, keep it within these boundaries. But then there are some other characters that we may do a reboot for, or that we may create a completely new character you know, we won't give that writer the creative freedom to kind of take the story where, you know, you want, they want it to take. So I think it's really up to the publisher at the end of the day of, you know, what they really are looking really to get out of that storyline. 
and at the end of the day, if the Bendis books don't sell, it's gonna, it, yeah, there's gonna be that snapback. You see, yeah, he's gonna be reined in, even <laughs> reined in. So I know that you, like I say, you have concerns about his storytelling, but at the end of the day, um, like you say, it's Superman. It, DC are not going to want that character to just go completely off the rails. Uh, there's, I think characters have to evolve. They have to change. They have to um, to move forward and with the times. Um, I think perhaps just maybe not as much as you're wanting. You felt that it's, that it's happened. Um, we have a question here. Hello there, sir. How are you? Right then, you're naming your question, sir. Will, and um, what effect do you think mainstream movies have on comic like sales? It's a big question. And uh, a question that is on a lot of people's minds. There's a difference between comic sales and comic awareness. I believe the Marvel movies and such have brought comics into a limelight that they possibly didn't before. So I think a lot more people are aware of them. Um, if that translates to sales, I think that depends on the store, it depends on the publisher, and it depends on how well the publisher markets within the time frame they have for the film. So I think Marvel have a habit of releasing their tie-in comics long after the film comes out, which I think is a mistake. I also think comics are almost becoming like a cool thing that people are getting like excited about. There's actually a book that tells that story. They didn't even, some people didn't even realize that there was a comic book that made that story. And I think kind of, you know, going on what you said, and I think it did make more of an awareness, which is why it's becoming a little bit more mass market where more people are getting excited to read comics. And that's why we're on the topic of coming out with more all ages books and coming out with kids books because kids are excited to read comics now because it's cool. Enough. Uh, question right in the back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you've just joined us, we're into the tail end of this conversation. If you want to uh, jump in, you'll name any questions, sir. My name's Sinclair. Um, just wondering, do you ever have a problem retaining artistic talent? Because historically, comics isn't very well paid and it's very intensive. So, how do you overcome this kind of issue where you get a great artists, they do about two years' worth of art, they get burnt out? and they go and take a job in something else which pays a lot better. I don't want to even say just burn out, also just, um, like I say, the, ta the talent that you've got under your stable, um, to how do you keep them under the Xenoscope banner? We work with dozens and dozens of artists and writers from around the world, and from the conventions that we do, we're always looking for new talent. We take dozens of submissions at every show that we go to, so we're always looking for that next artist or that next writer. Um, and that's kind of what's helped us at least, being able to say, you know, we, an artist just kind of disappears or stops working on a title and we have to have a fill-in. Or uh, an, artist, uh, an artist just decides that they're moving on to bigger, uh, you know, they're moving on to working for DC. So it really just depends on, um, it really just matters about us coming to the conventions, having a presence, and going to Artist Alley, talking to the different artists and writers that are out there, and really having them on our book of business. Yeah, I think it's two different businesses, which people often neglect to see. So there is the publishers, which is fair, but there is also, the creators are their own brand, they are their own market. So it's, it's to, it depends on if it works for the two. You know, if the publisher is in the right place and the creator is in the right place and it works together for a certain amount of time, the publisher needs to move on to certain things. And the creators do as well, they are their own business. So if you're a freelance artist and 
you know, you know that you've been at this job for two, three years. You need to have a, a movement. You need to have a, to show that you're available to do many different things. You need to show the scope of your availability and your abilities as a creative. So there, it's it's two businesses in balance that makes that work, not just publishers. Um, I think we're going to come to a bit of a close. I'm just going to finish on this question and this observation as well, because um, certainly as somebody who uh, has been attending the conventions, been reading comics for a long time, um, but seeing the fandom very much um, getting to a tipping point uh, at this point, uh, and certainly with the US comics and how they are to be followed and how those um, the, the publishers are to be um, responded to in terms of what they're publishing. I know it's a big question to finish on, but where do you see comics going in the future from 2018? Growth, uh, diminishment, is it, can we see, I mean you were talking about an, excite, an excitement that you feel uh, in the art form, in, in, the, in the US comics trade at the moment. Do you see that actually translating and growing or where, 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 where are we? I mean, us personally, we couldn't be any more excited than we are right now. Um, it's a huge, huge growth area, um, just in business in general, the comic book industry, um, because of the awareness level, um, because of expanding into international markets, not just the US, you know, I think there's only growth from here. Um, and I think not only us sense that we're excited about it, but I think a lot of the other publishers are excited too because it's opening a lot more doors for not only publishers, but for creators, writers, artists, up-and-coming artists, you know, that are trying to break into the industry. And so I do think it's a really exciting time. There's a sense of optimism there. So is that what you're feeling as well, Tara, with the creatives that you speak to? Yes and no. Um, I think there's a big distance at the moment between retailers and publishers that, that needs to be filled in. I think growth will definitely happen, but there needs to be an understanding between the two for it to be a maintainable growth, um, otherwise it would crash. So. It's just going to, I think that's, that's a, a phrase that's often used when it comes to uh, fandoms uh, at the moment, but that bubble of bursting. But we're still seeing the bubble grow at this point, and that's always an exciting thing. Ladies and gents, I know that uh, there's other things to see and do around MCM, so we'd like to let you get off and enjoy the rest of the convention. But in the meantime, can you please thank Tara and Valora for uh, talking to us today. My name is Thank you very much indeed for your company. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we do have the panels that continue throughout the course of the day here at the MCM Comic Stage. So do stick around or do check out the, uh, the schedule for the rest of the weekend. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of London and we'll see you soon. Bye bye.